0: Hi everyone, I'm Dalen, Founder and Design Educator at Curious Core. Welcome to our Working in UX Design podcast series, where we interview a UX design leader in the industry on their experience in this emerging field. We've had UX professionals from Grab, AirAsia, Google and more join us previously, and we're bringing you more exciting interviews this year. Stay tuned for this week's interview with our special guest who is working in UX design. Good evening everyone and welcome to another session of working in UX design. I'm Dalen over here and I'm your host for this evening. We'll be chatting with Wenshu Quack from Shopify. He'll be sharing a lot of his experiences as a senior UXer and how we should be learning and networking as a UXer. So the reason why we did these sessions was due to COVID where we saw a dip in the number of live events where designers could gather and learn from each other. So that's why we decided to create our monthly webinar sessions, and we've been doing it ever since 2020. So let me first introduce our guest for this evening, Wunshu. Wunshu is a senior product designer at Shopify with a background in industrial design. He helps to reduce risk in product development, and solves high-impact problems with elegant and thoughtful solutions. He works best in cross-functional teams and has been working for seven years shipping successful B2C and B2B products and services. So that's something we'll also discuss with Wenxiu. And beyond working with leading global tech companies and startups and government agencies, he tries to find time to give back to the local design community. So just to start off, Wenxiu, how's your day going and what's keeping you busy these days?
1: Thanks for the good introduction. Uh, so it's
0: been been a weird day, pretty busy at work, <laughs> uh, lots of announcements at Shopify, but yeah, I've been busy with work. <laughs> in terms of being busy, I know Shopify is like growing and mm. serving a lot of merchants and there's like this boom in e-commerce right now. Just wondering, can you describe to me like what's your day-to-day like?
1: So if you're familiar with Shopify, we are an e-commerce tool. Like if you want to sell anything online, you can use Shopify to build a store, set up an online store, like sell to customers. So what my team works on is we help Shopify merchants sell on more surfaces, like right, to sell on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Google. So I'm I'm working with a team that works on that. So it's uh, pretty complex, lots of stakeholders. In our typical days
0: it's, uh <laughs> lots of conversations, like working with many different people. That sounds like fun. And I know a lot of my friends who are e-commerce entrepreneurs personally, mm-hmm. they use Shopify and we even have a case study about it, about uh, transitioning and replatforming to Shopify from one of our product mentors. What sort of like drives you to wake up every morning and, and do what you do?
1: As a designer, um, one thing that motivates me is the the idea that I can... Okay, I know it sounds a bit cheesy, but like solving problems. Right? <laughs> it's a million different... Super difficult problems out there, and I think as designers, like we are in kind of a very good position to kind of help teams and businesses solve solve these problems, right? Like especially in e-commerce, it's so complex, there's so much complexity, right? Just to sell something, what I get to do every day is look at this complexity and then try to like simplify it for a human on the other hand right? So that's really fun, and it was nice to like work on global products to know that something that you work on, even if it's a small button, right, it might touch like, a million different like humans like all around the world. So that's really nice.
0: Yeah, that's really awesome to hear. I see that you work on both b2b and b2c products so let's talk a little bit about that I know you were previously in thoughtworks uh, and you work mm. on some consumer products and now you're in Shopify and it's more like b2b because you're serving businesses mm. can I understand what are some of the things as a practitioner of UX I should be taking note when working on all, all these two different segments
1: so one one thing for me is I think we often talk about how there might be a difference but in the end of the day it's actually very similar you're still like solving user problems right Um, the way you approach any design problem like is the same so i started working on b2c products i've designed some consumer apps right and then after i left consulting i went to Food Panda. i worked on the restaurant portal then i went to shopify to work on merchant products so i really wanted to go into b2b having made that transition yeah, it feels the same right <laughs> it's, it's all the same one thing that is quite different is i think especially if it's a very complex like, b2b product so in a lot of consumer products problems feel very solved right? a lot of the problems like if you want to do a checkout flow, right? Like a million different checkout flows like out in the internet, right? You can go and Google, you can search for it. I can do competitor analysis. But if I'm working on a B2B product, like it's super complex. Like, so how do I integrate a a store and sync like a thousand products like with like Instagram, for example? Right, there's nothing for me to Google, right? It's way more complex.
0: You can't exactly get the reference that easily, as you mentioned, right? Because consumer products, you can just download and then you immediately have a reference. Mm, Yes, (laughs) Now, I would say most B2B products is not as sexy.
1: and It's not the trendiest thing to work on. So a a lot of my colleagues and when I talk to like, when I advise juniors that I've met, um, they want to work on B2C, right? It's super exciting. I want to work on Instagram. I want to work on the new like Shopee app, right? But yeah, I also think there's a lot of like very rich problems right in the B2B space. Problems that are hidden, maybe super complex. No one wants to care about. But if you're a designer and you want to work on that, right? And uh, I think that's a really nice um,
0: niche. Yeah. Since we're talking about problems and you're, yeah. you're saying designers are like problem solvers, what would be an example of a B2B problem that, that is interesting?
1: Okay, so one thing that's not so obvious um, with a lot of B2B products, so Let's okay, so let's use food Panda as an example, right? When you use the food Panda app, you open the app and you want to order food. There's a menu, there are like photos, there's a price, right? Like it looks really simple, right? But then behind the scenes, right, there is an entire like, super complex tool, right, that a restaurant owner who is often not tech-savvy, right, has to set up, right, so one thing I did learn when I was in Food Panda is, like, just ordering bubble tea, right, how do you design a way for someone to order bubble tea? Really simple for a consumer, like, super complex if you're a restaurant owner, like, do I want how many percent sweetness, right, 50%, 5%, how much sugar, how much, how much ice do I want, and based on these variations, the price changes right so how do you configure all these so that's like super complex like super rich problems solved um and it requires a lot of like systems thinking right working with developers, working with business folks your p m so i think I think that wasn't that was what I worked on in Food Panda that I can talk about, I hope.
0: <laughs> I don't remember if I ordered bubble tea on Food Panda, but I, I do remember placing an order for something quite complicated on Food Panda recently. And I, I just realized how easy it was. I was like, oh, I can do all these customizations. I, I think it might have been like uh, eating at Muji or something like that Muji Cafe. So that was really interesting where you had like variations of like what food to choose and stuff like that that's an interesting problem to work on and you're saying it's slightly more obscure right like the work that you Mm. do in b2b is also a little bit more niche it doesn't touch as many people as like a b2c Mm. piece of work so how do you feel about that
1: so as i've become more senior i think i care less about the number of people i touch but more like the value that i create right so for example you can like my pm and i once worked on a problem for an internal tool it's a it's a button but, but that one button like nice. can save the company like six figures right every, every six months or something like that so it's nice like to kind of flip the framing a bit right so it's more about impact right gmv how much gmv can i create or how much money can i save right yeah i care a lot less if, these days if i see someone on the train and then oh they're using something i might design it's like okay it's fine i don't care so much anymore but
0: so that's nice. I mean, it sounds like you've grown up. It sounds like you're moving from vanity metrics to GMV, as you call it, like gross marginal value, which is actual financial impact based on the products that you or the design that ends up in the products. Like, let's talk a little bit about your transition from junior to senior. And earlier you spoke a little bit like juniors are more excited to work on consumer stuff because it touches a lot of people. Now that you're more senior, you're more about like the impact. Can you tell us a little bit more? Yeah. What else has changed?
1: And yeah, I can reflect on my, my personal experience as well. When I first started out as a junior designer, it was, it's all about process. To get from A to B, there's a certain step, there's a certain like framework I need to use. Step one, two, three, four, five. Like if I follow these and I answer all the questions correctly, like I would get to the solution and, and I was all about process, right? And, but the real world is like tricky, right? It's not that straightforward. right? so when things get bent, right? Projects go crazy, things start burning, right? Then I'll be really unhappy. No, you're not doing it properly. You're not doing research. You're not talking to stakeholders. You're not giving me enough time to design. So that was me when I first started out, but then as I've become more experienced, so I started to realize that oftentimes to get from point A to point B, sometimes you can skip certain steps. And for me, that's the sign of the distinction between a senior and junior, right? Seeing the process, right? And knowing what you can skip. You don't always need to talk to users, for example. Right? Not every problem has to solve everything. Sometimes you need to make trade-offs and you need to be happy with that. So I think for me, that's like the distinction, right? We can move to becoming more more, more senior, more experienced.
0: It sounds like you kind of know like because you know what you're doing because you know your tools you kind of economize the number of steps you take or even be more efficient at what you're doing
1: efficiency is one thing but also uh, knowing what steps to skip <laughs> uh, sometimes it comes to experience like maybe you failed at many different many many times right and then you finally know okay you know yeah especially when you work in a product company um, there's never an ideal project so be aware Right, when it's not ideal and accept accept it right find ways to adjust the way you work right? the methods you use so i think that's when you start to become a bit more senior and you're able to like roll with the punches
0: Looking back all these years working in UX design, what advice would you share with your younger designer self?
1: Design is a job, right? In the end, right? Now. <laughs> Like, it's a job, right? And like any job, there will be days when it sucks, right? There will be days when you have endless meetings. You will do really stupid things. You will do really tedious things. You will need to deal with politics, right? Deal with, like, relationships. It's a job, right? And I think when we learn design, it's all, like, ideal stuff, right? Okay, you're going to go out there, you're going to save the world. As long as you follow this double diamond thing, right? It's like everything's perfect. And then once you go out and oh shit, everything's everything's on fire. My PM doesn't like me, right? Things like that. And how do I deal with that? Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't know if it's good advice or not. But yeah, it, it's it's not, not. as
0: it's not as rosy as as it seems when you're out there. It, it never is,
1: right? But then like I think it's healthy to acknowledge that right? and not like beat yourself up. Because I used to do that. So if something was not ideal, I'd be like oh shit, bad designer. Or, I'm not doing enough work. Or maybe like, oh, this company sucks, right? This this client sucks. But I think it's a job, right? There are, there are bad days and everything's like a good learning experience in the end.
0: And, and as a proverbial question, I think you mentioned offhand earlier, you say like, hey, um, you're not giving me enough time to design. And I think as designers, we always feel like, hey like we don't have enough time to do something we don't have enough time to do research we don't have enough time to do design how would you manage that right now if you're not really given enough time to do design or research
1: so i once had this conversation with a tech lead and this is what he told me right like the, the thing that you're building today that you think is really good right in five years it's gonna suck right <laughs> so when trends evolve right or like I mean, soft, nothing stays still and stays still in software. And right? things evolve, things change. Again, five years is gonna suck anyway. So why are you so stressed about? making it perfect today. And he was talking about code, right? But I think it's the same thing with design. What looks nice today is going to look bad. Maybe not even five years, like in, in two years, right? So, so why stress so much? Um, so And I think it comes from this mindset that we need to be perfect all the time, right? So yeah. <laughs>
0: I, I think that's kind of like a curse of being being an artist or being a designer or creative. Things have to be perfect. We never stray too far from that. Any advice on how to like manage that a little bit better?
1: To kind of treat everything as an iteration. Uh, assuming you're working in a healthy like environment right your, your team is iterating right the first version is always going to suck right but then there is always a second version like in a few months right you can iterate and after that you can keep like evolving the product that's one way another way is really just working really closely with the engineers right product people business stakeholders so to understand decisions like why they're made um, how things come about so once you have a much like a bigger understanding of the things that affect the design and i think it becomes a lot easier to accept any you kind know, of trade-offs that you feel you might be making right so maybe the corner radius is not the perfect radius maybe the color is slightly off right but then hey uh there are all these reasons behind it oh we're still creating gmv we're still creating like user value so that's kind of how i try to see it these days
0: we have a question from the crowd over here so someone is asking when you were a junior designer how do you deal with or salvage any mistakes also try and learn from it
1: so there was this one project. Okay, uh, it was a project in Thailand. It was an insurance-related product for farmers in Thailand. The user right, is someone who's like not tech-savvy at all, and then they're very used to this like really lousy app, like with a really weird interaction pattern. It just makes no sense at all. And then when we redesigned it, like we insisted on doing it the right way, right? That's a correct pattern, right? For and I won't go into details because it's really hard, like without a, a whiteboard, button. so we redesigned it. New pattern. It's a correct design guideline we followed all of apple's like human interface guidelines everything we did testing yeah no one no one could use it right because that's just not how they're used to doing it right um they're used to this like really like weird way to interact with a old app right and i think that was a huge learning experience for us it's quite humbling right i think we often have an ego right when we design something we want to have an ideal state in mind okay i'm gonna force this on my user but then once we did testing hey (laughs) it doesn't work so how how did i don't know if i answered the question
0: yeah you did i mean it 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 showed that your design didn't work and did not work as you all assume um so what happened like how do you salvage it i
1: I think the good thing was the engineers i worked with like we happened to bring them down for the user test as well right we just entirely by chance right it's coincidental so then we didn't need to convince anyone everyone saw how the app would fail so in a way like it was quite easy for the team to kind of like recover like when i think back in hindsight like had we not done that and we just went out to test and we go back to office right and we report hey it's not working and then the engineer's oh i just spent like, six months working on this right are you telling me and uh, you want me to redesign this i mean the fact that everyone was there to see the test
0: yeah so you got the cooperation of the engineers and I'm guessing they made some iterations on the spot?
1: Yeah, and they were able to like change things on the fly and then test it quickly. So yeah, that was that was interesting.
0: Yeah, that that sounds like quite an adventure. Did did you guys end up staying longer than you expected in Thailand or what happened?
1: No, I, I had to fly back so I, I wasn't there to like see through the project. I wish I was there. The food was good.
0: Okay. Uh yeah, <laughs> I well, we all love Thai food, don't we? So that's that's always a bonus uh so great great that you sort of like had i guess the humility to kind of recognize it and then try your best to recover from it the assistance and the help what's your takeaway from that experience or what's your lesson
1: just just be humble right like just because you think there's an ideal solution or ideal design um, a lot of times when you talk to an actual user hey, actually it's not maybe it doesn't
0: work work that way be very humble be very humble be very open i think that sounds sounds <laughs> like good advice we have another question from the audience who is asking how do you manage uncertainty if the scope or objectives are not well defined for you and what's your best advice to manage stakeholders who are requesting changes near the release and that sounds like another big question on its own so maybe let's start with the first one how do you manage uncertainty if work scope and objectives are not well defined
1: to be honest that's something i struggle with right it's something i do need to work on i
0: think ambiguity
1: is something <laughs> that's really stressful i think so one thing that i found that has helped is to kind of identify like just the smaller step that i can take right and then just do it right so if something's super unclear Right, I don't know what's supposed to do. I just find the small things you can do and then just do it, right? And then as you start doing things, right, things become clearer. So I remember, um, we once had a project that was super unclear when i was a consultant we were almost like kind of waiting for requirements to come down right from the client right and then and we wanted to do research okay like to get requirements from customers right? but then after a while we realized hey um maybe we should just start designing right that's a small thing we can do and then after we started designing some wireframes it started to answer some questions right now once you had a design right and then the client sees it, oh actually things could be this way right and then it helped to clarify things right so sometimes just like taking a small step forward just start designing right sometimes i think that the temptation is always to like spend time researching right spend time thinking like understanding what's the requirement but sometimes you just need to move forward and and take a small step
0: yeah sounds like it's taking a small step towards clarifying or clarity itself that's on sort of scoping and managing the objectives Uh, what's your best advice to manage like stakeholders who are requesting huge changes near a release has that happened to you yeah.
1: <laughs> I think mean, hopefully you're working with product manager who can help like manage these conversations, right? So I think like, ideally you're working really closely with your cross-functional team, right? Or I think Shopify we call it a trifecta engineering, product, design, like if you're working very closely together right and then when stakeholders come in and they request a change right in, 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 in scope right, it doesn't just affect design right it affects the product roadmap it affects engineering when everyone can come in and, and, and give an appropriate response the trifecta right, come, can come in and right, then i think it's a much more measured like way to kind of respond to things like these
0: sounds like it's like putting heads together yeah. and not all heads are from the same department what about managing difficult stakeholders in general
1: it's all about relationships right I think, like whether or not you have influence right in a company is it's the number of people you can have like casual coffees with right in a way. <laughs> Like if you can just like go to the your business stakeholder and you can just have a coffee chat, okay, you have influence, right? So I think building relationships is really, really important, right? And it's the it's things we tend to forget, right? especially when it's remote. Okay, I don't need to make friends in office, right? I don't need to like talk to people, ask them how their day is going. When you build relationships over time, there is like more trust, right? And then so when difficulty arises, things become challenging. I think that you can solve them much easier, like when you have a good relationship, like with the people you work with.
0: I fully agree with that and i think i've never heard of the metric of number of coffee chats you can have with people as a measure of your influence but certainly i think uh, what really has helped when i was working in product management is being able to like take people out for lunch and bring people together for example i think that certainly helped a lot food and drinks really bring people together
1: And there's a temptation to like offload that work to the PM. Okay, it's your job, right? I'll just focus on design. But I think as designers, it's very important to do that as well.
0: Most designers I know are very introverted. I've hardly seen very extroverted designers. I don't know which one you relate to a little bit more. So tell me a little bit, like, let's say you're, you're a little bit more shy and you're a little bit more introverted. How would you engage a stakeholder or how should you like talk to people in the community or do networking?
1: Like okay, so I I hate networking, like I've always hated it. And I am very introverted. So so I think that <laughs> that's where I come from. So maybe I think there's a bit of story here, like so which is how I got into UX. So I first started as an industrial designer. Right? And then at one point in my career I wanted to make a switch, but I wasn't completely sure. And then I, I found out that there's this community called like UX SG, right? UX Singapore. They were doing a conference, they're looking for volunteers. And I thought, Oh, if I volunteer I can attend a conference for free, right? So I volunteered. <laughs> But long story short, I continued to stay as a volunteer, and then I just started showing up, right, at every meetup to kind of help organize things. And I never did it with the intention of, like, networking. I just did it because, like, I was learning something, and then I wanted to kind of, like, give back. And because of UX, SG I managed to move into UX, so I wanted to give back. But then because I, I was always, like, showing up at these meetups, right, over time, people see the same face, right, then they just come to you to talk. I was never the kind of person to go to a meetup and, hey, hi, I'm to sure, you know. <laughs> I just kind of volunteered, I was always there, and then I... At some point like okay people started coming to talk to me so that was how i kind of like reverse <laughs> network
0: And I would tell the audience that I can verify that because I, I seen you in one of those yeah. events and that's actually how we met and you're very, very, very quiet. In <laughs> fact, you just sat there and listened to everyone talk. I would admit I'm quite a, a, a silent type myself, but you're you're even more silent than me. <laughs> so <laughs> is that the trick? Like just just show up and let people like reach out to you.
1: Yeah, just, just show up. At one point, someone will talk to you. But also, I think networking becomes a dirty word if you only think about it from, like, okay, what value am I getting from this relationship, right? This person that I'm talking to, like, what value am I getting out of it, right? Which is, like, a kind of a scarcity mindset, right? So if you have a more, like, abundant mindset, okay? I'm here to bring value to someone, and then they would give me some value. And then it's, networking becomes a lot less dirty.
0: I think I like that you said that. And actually, it's true that networking is like a dirty word for many people. Mm. And I do find that it's extremely valuable in your professional career, right? Because like your next job might be referred to someone that you know from a conference or from an event that you attend. So I'm wondering when you say add value and you're a designer correct and maybe you're not very experienced as a designer how do you add value to people or how how did you do it like in the past right because you you're not very senior but you're there you're listening you're showing your face you're showing up
1: i think back then for me it was because i i was volunteering i was volunteering for the meetups right so i helped to kind of like create a space for other designers to meet up so that's how i saw my value kind of helping you meet other people and and the thing is no matter how junior you are right there's always someone more junior than you and so there's always someone who you can like give advice to (laughs) so yeah so when when i attended uxsg even when i was very early in my career there would always be someone right from like uni or like poly who'd like show up and they're like oh
0: what's ux (laughs) how do i get a job right so you're never naked because there's someone more naked than you are
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's always someone and you never know who they will become. right? So always help out like maybe five years down the road, like they become someone you can work with.
0: That's a great way to kind of like think about it. And for people who are a little bit more not too extroverted, you're suggesting that maybe they could play the role of a facilitator or play the role of a volunteer and try and add value to the community. I don't think you have to do a lot as a volunteer, do you? What do you have to contribute exactly?
1: Back then, the, the the principle that I think Raven and Michael had was like should be as little effort as possible, lowest effort, highest impact. <laughs> so we just did like I think we ran this thing called open space, right? Where there's no agenda, nothing, right? It's just a we open the space for you, you come in, and then you propose like topics you want to discuss, right? And then we just vote on it, and like people like self organize, and right? so that really
0: was very little effort, like in organizing the meetups back then. But as someone who runs events, I actually know (laughs) the amount of work that uh, goes behind it, especially like a conference where you have to get the speakers. But maybe for volunteers that there might be a more specific role for you to play. So that sounds like a good idea. Definitely looking to all these like physical meetups as they are opening up again. So I think it's a good opportunity for all the junior designers here to volunteer yourself for physical events. Just kind of wondering, like, how has volunteering, how has networking, how has participating in this community, how has it helped with your career?
1: I think on the baseline level, it's just knowing that there are people outside that are like me, right? Going through similar problems, right? Someone who I can rent that would be outside the company I'm in, right? So I can say things I wouldn't dare to say in my company. So I think that has been very healthy for me. But I think also a lot of my roles, a lot of the jobs that I've been offered, um, interviews that I've been offered, right? um, They came from networks, right? It's not like you don't see it on LinkedIn, right? You don't see it on, on my job portals. I think that has really helped. But it was never like always like one way. So I... Uh, I try to like help as well. Like I know someone's looking for a job, I'll try to connect them with someone else. So in a way like giving, right? But then when you give, right? At some point you get something back in return. Like a abundant mindset, right? Just don't be like, hey, I must always get something. <laughs> so-
0: I think there was this book called Give and Take or something. And yeah. they talk about three types of people, right? Givers who give a lot, takers who only take. Then people who keep score about giving and taking. <laughs> so it's like equal, yeah. equal kind of thing.
1: Yeah, if you do that networking, wouldn't be fun.
0: Yeah, so you're you're in the giving cam. You you don't really keep scoring. No, I don't. Okay, that's excellent. I'm sure a lot of people here would love to be friends with you. In this case, I'm wondering, you mentioned earlier that there was this conversation where you have your have with your tech lead where you learn something. So let's talk a little bit about learning from non-designers. Like how do we learn from non-designers?
1: I think it starts from recognizing that everyone has an impact on the design. Like no matter how nice you design something on a Figma, a developer has to build it. Right, so in a way, a developer is a designer as well. Right, they have as much influence on it as you do. And by extension, like there's a lot that you can learn from them. When I first worked on a mobile app, my first like, consumer mobile app, like I've never done mobile apps before, so I had no idea like what iOS was. I was an Android user. I don't know the patterns. I don't know how screens flow. But there was a front end dev that was like really really good like he knows everything and the patterns to use and then okay so i'll just (laughs) i'll just learn from him like trust him trust that they have like good intentions right like no one goes to work with the intention of doing a bad job so yeah that's when i really learned like okay there's a lot even like interaction design right i learned a lot of interaction design like from the engineer the ios like engineer like who knew more about ios than i did so yeah ever since then i've always seen them as a source of learning (laughs) right
0: (laughs) That's excellent. I I think engineers have a lot to teach us. Yeah. Even as a product person, I learn from the engineers. I listen to my engineers too, so that is definitely a good source. Um, what about people who are not in the tech industry? Do you mm. learn from them, or is there anything that you learn that you apply back to your work?
1: And yeah, what's interesting is like if you do get a chance to work with like business folks, right? Or like they see things very differently, and because they see things differently, I think it gives you a different lens right on on your work on the the product that you're working on so that's something i've learned
0: yeah that's Uh, fine i mean like let's take an example right you shared something about what you learned from the engineers and that's like how to design better mobile products how to use mobile patterns for example what can you share that you learn from say a business person that you are applying Mm -hmm. as a ux designer
1: like a business person never cares about the aesthetic quality of of
0: a product right it's
1: all about can it convert right how much money am I saving here? If I'm taking six months to build this, right? How much money am I losing <laughs> by not by not building this sooner, right? So I think that really helped me understand that. Uh... The actual impact of my designs, right? Just talking to them and, and again, right, building relationships, right? Just meeting them for Korean barbecue if you can. Right? <laughs> it's really learning about that, right? Because they, they are looking at metrics, they look at Excel, Excel sheets, right? Um, I'm so glad I don't have to do that. Someone to do that for me, right? They they see things in a completely different way, right? It really helps and it also helps you build a case, right, for your designs. Right? Because when you're presenting to stakeholders, um you can't talk about design principles, right? Or how nice this design is, right? And the number of users you spoke with, like they don't care, right? Um, like a, a CEO, for example about the impact.
0: I hear this quite often from more senior design leaders or even more senior designers. It's important for us to justify the impact that we deliver as uh, UX designers. How should someone who's like maybe in their first year as a practitioner, how should they actually learn how to justify their impact more? What books should they read or you know who should they be talking to for example?
1: yeah i I don't know about books i think like relying on your cross-functional peers right if you have them right especially the pm i think the pm is like should be your best friend you should probably spend more time with your pm than your designer and the other designers in your team (laughs) so i mean a pm is incentivized to like deliver value right like way more than an engineer or a designer so they're thinking about that like all the time so i think really leaning on them like when you are new i think that really really helps
0: but what if your PM is also kind of new? There aren't many experienced PMs, to be honest, in the industry. So if they're kind of new, like what's the next best person?
1: I think in the end of the day, it's really all about relationships, right? So if you have a good relationship right, with your business stakeholder, if you have any, right, then then you can lean on them right, to kind of help you define, um, okay, so what, this is what we're thinking of doing. What does it mean for you? What are you looking for? So yeah, like build good relationships with the people you work with. And then I think everything is like a lot easier from there.
0: Yeah, I'm getting a sense from our conversation, like if someone's new to their career, they should really be listening a lot and actually put themselves out there and just learn and be open to cross-functional experts. Just kind of like absorb everything like a sponge. I'm actually quite curious, like you you said that you were an industrial designer and we happen to run a program that helped mid career professionals to transition into UX design. I'm sure a lot of them who's hearing this right now could benefit from, some tips or advice you know how did you make that jump how do you make that switch from say industrial design
1: if you're coming from industrial design it's a bit you're like you're cheating in a way because i think industrial design is basically ux right but but in 3d so like in, in a way i think like the fundamentals are, are the same right like the design process right the need to do research like it, it's all the same but right? the difference is the medium right everything is like flat right and then there's a flow right there are designs right things are less permanent so these are the things that i had to learn but i think transitioning from industrial design or any other, if, if you are transitioning from a design field i think it's a bit easier
0: who gave you your first opportunity or how did you manage to obtain your first opportunity to be a uxer
1: and and again it's true like networking even though i wasn't doing it intentionally so i've actually wanted to do a master's HCI, a human computer interface so i thought i should do that because i wasn't confident i do a master's right in the u.s right and then from there i'll find a job in the u.s like work in the bay area so that was my plan and then i found a senior on linkedin who did exactly that and i reached out to her so hey i'm looking to go into UX and like, can I set up a call with you and then she chatted we chatted and then she told me hey uh I'm working at a company in Singapore and like, we happen to be looking for junior designers right so why don't you try and apply and then I applied I got an offer and then she told me hey uh instead of paying money to learn why don't I went on to get paid to learn and that's how I got into UX yeah it was from a random like LinkedIn message to like some senior in the U.S.
0: very very lucky that you, you got an offer because these days it's a lot tougher to enter the industry and very very competitive but I, I think the principle doesn't change right the principle here is like reach out to people ask for help talk to them and something good will happen out of that seems like it
1: and i think most people have a little bit of ego right they, they like it when someone goes to them to ask for advice right so if you like ping someone on linkedin hey i'm <laughs> junior looking for help like most of the time like They would say yes unless they're like really busy
0: i think that's that and i think that's also like adp lists like platforms like adp lists Mm. where you can ask for help or there are events you can go to even though like uxsg isn't really active right now there are still like community events like friends of figma and all that so at least in singapore so in your own locality i'm sure there's like local events as well for you to be involved where people have drinks together i'm just wondering for your role in shopify how did that came about
1: and again, it's because I know Aditi, So, and I think, you, you know, so we have a mutual friend. So, and again, I, I met her at a meetup and I believe you were there at a meetup as well. It was a product, it wasn't even a design meetup. It was like Product Tonic, the, the one in Bali. So, you never know, like some random person you're speaking with today like, might become your boss like,
0: five years later. <laughs> yeah so let's talk a little bit about design right and you graduated with first class honors in industrial design from NUS and I think someone who knows you is cheering you in the chat I think it's someone from my team I'm trying to understand you know studying design what are some of the transferable skills to this new discipline called UX what are you still using today that you learn from your industrial design days
1: And U.S. industrial design is quite a different, quite a good cost. I think uh, what I really use today, I think as a designer, you need to build a vocabulary, right? Like kind of like, I don't know if vocabulary makes sense, like a vocabulary of what good design looks like. And then you do that, like firstly, by just looking at many different things, right? Online, like on Pinterest, like trying different products. so you have a much better sense of what is good taste like what works well but then also it's you learn by doing right try and error like in design school you design school is usually really tough right you do a lot of iterations you don't sleep very much right (laughs) so i remember being in studio like cutting wood yeah I, i don't know if they still do that today but um in year one in nus industrial design they would give you a giant block of styrofoam and you need to shave it down into a 10 by 10 by 10 cm like sphere and it has to be perfectly spherical i don't remember if we were allowed to use a machine i don't think so sort of like sandpaper and pen knives and the instructor would like actually measure it with a caliper right? and it's off by like just one or two mm right he would like pick it up like throw it on your head right and bounce the ball it's so, correct the character character building right so, and in a way like today like when designing something and i think it's the same thing right how it's applicable is like when you design something you just keep doing iterations right sometimes you just need to like brute force it right try like 50 different variations right and then from that 50 you have one that's interesting yeah
0: something that i learned <laughs> I would say I'm also very appreciative. I, I think maybe I had it a little bit easier than, than you did when I went to design school in polytechnic. But I remember getting my packaging design for an energy drink rejected like eight times. And the lecturer never bothered to explain to me why. And he just says, hey, you, you can push it further. Like he'll just give one comment. And then I change it based on his one comment. And then he'll give it like one more comment. Like, why don't he just like tell me from the start, like this are the 10 things you should look out for. It still puzzles me, but I think it was like what you said, it's a character building process where you learn to be persistent and you learn to be sensitive about the design that you're you're doing. And I think it really, really helped me because after that, I was like, oh, I get it. Like, this is like good design. Oh, this is like not good design. I definitely find your experience relatable. I heard they treat people worse in architecture.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, architecture is way, way, way worse. I don't know if it's still true today, but... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, back then, when I go home from school at 1am, they are are still in studio.
0: But yeah, we we have uh, architects who come to our program as well. And then they say, wow, this is this is great, man. Like we get to go home on time. (laughs) 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 a UX designer. Mm -hmm. Uh, They don't get to go home on time as an architect. (laughs) I'd love to know a little bit more about your experience at work. Do you use any framework like Kanban to help manage your workload? I'm guessing it's more from a personal perspective. Does it help instill some control in your workload? Or is Kanban effective, essentially?
1: The funny thing is that every time I've tried to do Kanban, like the the team uses it for a while. And then after, after like one or two weeks, we stop using it. So I, I don't know if it's my fault right? or I'm not doing it correctly. <laughs> okay so Shopify is uh right now like Shopify is a remote first company right so when they're remote first um, we can't rely on like synchronous meetings anymore so there's a lot of like writing right there's a writing culture so i think from that what i've learned is i try to maintain a google doc and then treat it like a journal and so every day okay this is what i've done Uh, and then i try to break down the the things that i need to do and then i post it on slack do a lot of writing right and and i think that has helped me break down my work and help me be clearer about communicating what kind of work i need to do right And, and why So i think it's working remotely has forced me to do that
0: So let me get this right, because Shopify is a remote-first company. How you're managing your work today is that you write a journal of what you did or what you're about to do.
1: Um, both, but that's just how I've like processed my my own like work, and then how you work with like other folks in your team. I think it depends. It varies from team to team. Usually, my preference is to try and track my work together with what the engineers are doing. So if everyone's on GitHub, right, tracking things on a Kanban board, then I would try to like have my work show up as well. So at least people know what I'm doing. Like if not, what the designers doing? (laughs) It was like you disappear in a cave. Like you show up to sprints later hey, and this is the design
0: i think i think that sounds like a good idea i mean what you're really practicing is this agile principle of like being transparent and you're working with increments right what has been the most challenging thing working fully remote so far
1: i do miss like office moments
0: <laughs> so like in, in, in office
1: right you know like oh you just have walk over to someone and then start disturbing them right Or like shooting nerve guns or like going for long lunches, I do miss that. And some things are just easier in person, I think. What we do in Shopify is we do this thing called burst, as and when you need it, right? The team can come together and meet at a, a place, right? For like three to five days, just like get it done, right? In those like five days, and then you fly back, right, and do your and go back into like working
0: remotely. You do that anywhere in the world, or what's happening?
1: Itd uh, right right now. I think with the economy, you know. like... <laughs> plus strings are tighter but my, my, most of my team is in singapore so like we do meet and meet up once in a while
0: we have a question on ux coaching do you coach people on ux do you actually do coaching at all uh, no i don't <laughs> all right so i guess that might not be the, the right question what about career coaching do you happen to coach anyone on their careers Nah, no, i haven't haven't done it but
1: once in a while like
0: someone reaches out to me on linkedin right just
1: like what i used to do right now six or seven years ago right then i'll be happy like take a call
0: are you actually open to people reaching out to you and asking for career advice or yeah always always happy to help that sounds lovely I think as I understand I mean career coaching is a little bit different from coaching someone to be a more effective UX designer I think there's a lot of elements to career coaching and part of that is helping the person understand what kind of transferable skills that they have like someone like Wen Shu who is an industrial designer has quite a number of transferable skills into this new field and then working with them to ensure that they position and present their best self so that's on career coaching and then like getting someone better as a UX designer that's usually like working with them and doing it over time and giving them feedback along the way that's something I've also done and I would say it really depends on how receptive the person is to your advice as a coach but also how likely are they able to practice like the ideal state of UX right and when we talk about the ideal state it means like hey we have to do it iteratively hey we have to make data driven decisions and if they are not able to do any of that then it becomes like very challenging for them to practice proper UX and I think Aditi your boss always has this criticism for working in consulting which (laughs) which she says that yeah you're only working on the MVP or the prototype Type of the product. <laughs> so, how does it feel yeah. like to work in a product company?
1: You know, I think everything that they say is about about it is true, right? So, I think when I was a consultant, I did many different things, a lot of fun projects. But it's very thin. I'm if I'm lucky, I'm there to like ship the first version of the design, right? So, I'm there when the developers are building it. But then once it's released, I'm I'm not there to see what happens next, right? So, but in a product company, it's you go really deep right, on one product area. Right, the, and the bigger the company the narrower your scope but it's nice like it's nice to like be able to ship something right, and then be there to like own up to your mistakes right or, <laughs> or like see the impact right
0: at least you get to see like whether your design works and how it impacts lives and mm-hmm. I think that's what you mentioned as part of waking up every day right to solve problems yeah.
1: I, I think in consulting I learned what good looks like because right? there's really a f- very strong focus on, on, on ideal practices like right, best practices so i learned it when i was there and then going into a product company it's more about okay so how do you now deliver value right as cheaply or you know, as quickly as possible so it's different types of learning i would say
0: if i could ask you one more question and that is to the audience over here like do you have any general advice or tips to help them be a better learner or a better networker as a uxer
1: I mean, just put yourself out there, right? so you are never too junior to like help someone just like there are always events like just show up right Um, put yourself out there you don't have to be an extrovert people will come to you right? um, always be helping people like at one point someone will help you back so I think that that really helps right? and then also like focus on building relationships right especially with non-design peers that you work with because there is so much learning there that we often miss right we always assume we must learn from designers right we must have coaching from other designers right maybe your coach could be a PM right? you never know
0: I'm gonna ask you a fun question how do you bribe a product manager and how do you bribe an engineer (laughs) and how do you bribe a business person like what what do you uh, use to bribe them how to bribe i mean like bribe and uh, i I say it in a very like joking way i know i don't mean like actually bribe because that's illegal but like what what do you (laughs) bribe them with like what do you do to get (laughs) into their good books
1: i think one thing i i like to do which is i like to accept compromises like for now right when when a pm needs to ship something faster and then okay I'll, i'll be compromising I'll be like, okay, let's let's do us do it simple. Um, the design will be less perfect, but we ship it out, right? But then by making these compromises, right, later on, like when you need to push something, right, they are more accepting. So in a way, that's kind of how I I I I, I do it. Right? What about engineers? I think it's the same thing, right? Like when something's really hard to build, can you simplify it? Okay. And I'll be like, hmm, okay, la, I'll simplify for you. <laughs> you know, and then next time, if there's something I really want to push, I'll be like, okay, you know.
0: <laughs> Actually, that's really sound advice. I was I was hoping it, it involves something with food or something like that. Or coffee, <laughs> right? As you were saying earlier. Okay, so I, I guess the the idea is kind of like to be flexible. What about business people? Is there anything you do to get into their good books?
1: I don't know. I I guess learn what's important to them, right? And try to help them achieve it. Like, especially if a new executive joins a company, right? They need a quick win (laughs) to, to show their value and then like help them solve that quick win and then that really helps you like be their good books I mean it sounds really transactional but yeah that, that's how it is sometimes
0: <laughs> I, I, I think it sounds like you're being a team player right like hey you're part of the team too so you're just like helping them out hopefully someday it comes back <laughs> just like you said <laughs> so uh, I think we had a wonderful discussion with you this evening you? and thank you so much for sharing your experiences uh, live with an audience this evening thank
1: you thank you Dylan for having me
0: for those of you who are listening to this for the first time i hope you enjoyed the content that we shared here do check out our monthly webinar events if you haven't we do upload all of this on our podcast on apple and spotify as well as on our youtube channel if you'd like to watch the video do check out if you haven't our events next month so if you are not subscribed to our newsletter please uh, feel free to subscribe. With that, I shall wish everyone a very good evening ahead and a good day ahead if you're dialing from overseas. Hope you learned something today and stay curious. Take care. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please let me know what you think. Get in touch with me over email at mail at curiouscore.com. I would love to hear from you Do also check out our previous interviews and other free resources at CuriousCore.com. And until next time, I'll see you on the next episode. Take care and keep leaning into change.